Psalm chapter 1, authentic faith. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Can we go to verse 1, please? What we see here are two pictures. Two pictures of a blessed person who delights in the law of the Lord, meditating day and night. And it, there's, there's a word picture about to come out. He's like a tree planted by rivers. And then there's, a, there's the ungodly group of people who are scoffing, who are scoffing at the man of God, who are mocking the man of God. And they think that they are secure. They think that they got, they figured out life. They think they have the secret corner to happiness in life. But their end is perishing. Their end is frustration. Their end is hopelessness. Their end is judgment. And so you got these two pictures, two paths that you can take. Make no mistake, there is not a third way. There's not a third way, there's not a third ending. There's no middle path. Just like was preached about last week by Joven, Jesus doesn't want lukewarm. No such thing. It's disgusting to him. You see? It's going to be one or the other. Okay? And so, the question is, okay, which path am I on? you got to look at yourself, right? We've got to look in the mirror. The, the Bible is, is a mirror within which you see yourself and also within which you see Christ. Which one am I on? And so it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed can mean happy. <laughs> this is the path to true happiness right here. Okay? And or, usually you kind of got both. It's, it's a complex meaning in, in Hebrew. Is that you have the favor of God upon you. Because your delight is in him and not in this world. So you are blessed. And Jesus gets on this in Matthew chapter 5, where people who don't have a belonging in the world, but they find their belonging in the kingdom of God in Christ, they are the ones that are blessed. Even if it's tough, you see. So blessed is this man, right? He, he's not walking in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right here you see the process of sin. These are not just repetitions of the same thing a parallelism that is common in, in Hebrew poetry. This is actually describing a process, right? The sinner walks in the counsel of the wicked, so he's listening to the advice and he's believing it, so he's kind of testing it out, so he's, he's, he's going, okay, okay, so he's listening to their counsel, and now he's walking, right? So he's believing it, and then he stands in the way of sinners, right? So he's walking, and then now he's where they're at. Now he's standing, He's like, okay, yeah, this is, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to do what you guys do. I'm right here, standing with y'all. So now he's behaving in their way. And then lastly, he sits in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers is the ultimate hardness, where you are mocking the pious. You are mocking the righteous. You are mocking God's people. You are mocking God's law, his way. And you think you got a better way. And so now, he wasn't just standing, now he's seated. Now he belongs to this group. So here's a simple way to remember it. The sinner, there's a process of sin, right? The hardening that happens. They are believing, they are behaving, they are belonging. You see that? They are believing, 
the bad advice, the lie. They're behaving and what they do, and then they are belonging. They go, I'm a part of this group. And they scoff at the, the, at the, at the righteous man of God. That, that's what they do. They, they scoff at God's law. This is the breakdown of how it happens. Now, this may sound extreme. I, I don't want to be mistaken here. This is, this is just straight up. This is what the scriptures say. You can, you can find it in James chapter 4. You could find it um, in, in Romans chapter 1. You could find it in uh, Jesus' words throughout all the Gospels. This is how it happens. It starts with a little leaven that infects the whole loaf of bread. And here's the thing. What you see about this guy is that the, 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 the sinner is that he's not just kind of falling into a trap. He's being enticed by his own desire. Granted, there's a deception there that's happening, but he's being enticed because he's looking at the world going, okay, what do they got? Oh, what, what, they, what, they, have got, what they have going on looks really attractive. And then he begins to delight in it, listen to it. He begins to believe it. He begins to behave in it. He begins to belong in it. This is how it happens, right? This is how sin works, right? The one who's cheating on his wife doesn't go, oh my goodness, you're not my wife. <laughs> you're supposed to laugh. Uh, <laughs> it happens little by little, right? You start to believe that there's something better there on the other side, and you know, you start to behave, and then you start to belong. You sit, you're content, you're apathetic to it. This is how it begins. And this is how false teachings make its way through the church as well, little by little, right? A deceptive lie that leads to destruction later. A deceptive lie that leads to destruction later. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, you know, there, there, there are, of course, bad advice that we could look at and go, oh, we could just easily dismiss that. We go, no, 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 that's dumb, right? I, I recently heard some horror stories uh, of some secular uh, counseling uh, that I heard where um, someone who, who, I, who went in, someone that I know who went in uh, because they were dealing with anxiety and substance abuse, and the counselor told them, you should think about smoking weed. Another horror story. A, a person struggling in the marriage with infidelity was seeking a marriage counseling, and then the marriage counselor told them, have you thought about an open marriage where you can have boyfriends and girlfriends outside of marriage? Counsel of the wicked. This is real. This is, this is happening right now, folks. Okay? This is not happening in some pagan culture that we thought in ancient times. No, this is today, modern 21st century, all right? Because people have letters after their last name. <sighs> Believing, behaving, belonging. This is how it happens. Let this be a warning right now. Let this be a warning right now. That you are one thought away from destroying your life. You're one bad advice away from the path to destruction. This may sound extreme, but this is what the psalm is getting at. And you're, you're going to see as, as we keep going here. Look at verse 2. This, this is where the, the key that unlocks this right here. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. On his law he meditates day and night. And so this is the key right here, the word delight. 
many of us, if we're looking at this verse, what we kind of tend to focus on is on the law. We go, oh, okay, so it's about, I just got to, just got to read the law. I just got to, even though I don't feel like it, I just got to read, read, read. I got to apply it. It's like a rubric. And of course, that's, that's actually true. But what we're missing here is that what it actually has to stem from, the heart that has to be there is a heart that delights in the law of the Lord. A heart that delights in God and his word. What does this mean? That means that the, the person, again, the, the, the contrast, the sinner who was led astray, that means he was delighting in the world more than God. Just as Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters, you can only serve one. You will love one or hate the other. You will love that one or hate this one. It, you, so the question is, what are you delighting in? And so this godly man, this blessed man, he, he's looking at the word of God and he's delighting in it. He's going, man, this right here is, is the path to true life and flourishing that will lead to eternal life. Right here, this is so much better than what the world has to offer. And day and night he's meditating. That word meditate is, is murmur. He's like repeating repetitively like under his breath because he's just so into it. He's going, man, right here. Do you see? This is the key to growing our Christian faith. The key is not duty. The key is to delight. Many of us kind of approach the Christian faith with this is that, oh, I just got to do it. I got to do it. Got to do it. But actually what we see here is that you have to delight in God. You have to delight in God. The Christian growth doesn't come through a sense of duty. It comes through a sense of delight. Who, who or what are you delighting in? The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Look at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. You know, in, in front of my house and in the front yard, there's this huge, huge uh, pine tree that uh, through the winter has stayed green, and, and it sticks out like a sore thumb on my block. But right there is right a picture of the Christian. That's what it's saying, is that no matter what, no matter what season of life it's in, that, that it is constantly producing green leaves and producing fruit in its due season. When hard times come, when harsh weather comes, it doesn't fall away, it doesn't wither away. Why? Because his delight is in the law of the Lord, not by the circumstances of the world around him. And the key word right here that also unlocks this passage is the word planted. The word planted right there in, in Hebrew, in this context, is actually transplanted. Meaning that there was a tree that was uprooted, uprooted from a desert-like place, and then placed next to a stream of water. Right here is the gospel. Why? Because what we see here is this gospel truth that you, like it says in Colossians chapter 1, you were transferred from, you were taken from, you are delivered from the kingdom of darkness of Satan, sin, and death, you were delivered from that and transferred into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light. You were taken from this path to hell where your heart keeps hardening and hardening and hardening and you receive what you want, that is a life apart from God, and then you are transferred to this path where there's the stream, there's always running under your roots, and from there you are drawing life. And you are delighted from the inside out. And no matter what, you are always bearing fruit. And Jesus will look for that fruit at the last day to evidence that you indeed had faith in him. Cleansed and clean, filled with the Spirit, bearing fruit to eternal life. 
Galatians chapter 6 talks about this. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. You will reap with what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap death. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. God is not mocked. This is so beautiful to me, this picture. That no matter what you're going through today, no matter how hard the storms may be, whether it's maybe you're going through some physical ailment, maybe you're going through some relational strain, maybe some financial loss, whatever it is you're going through, no matter what, you can spiritually prosper if you are rooted in God's word. Because you're, you're going, you know what, I'm not looking to the world. I'm not looking to external circumstances to make me happy and blessed. Though the world may, hashtag blessed. But you are looking at going, you're looking at God, you're looking at, looking at this glorious story of God who came to rescue me, to woo me back into his arms at the cross. This God, I'm looking at this and going, it's because of that I have hope. It's because of that I am content. It's because of that I have joy through the sorrow. And you bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And when you bear fruit, you, you bear it for others. A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. <laughs> You're a blessing to those around you. How are you doing? How am I doing? What are you rooted in? What path are your feet set on? Where are you seated? Remember, there's only two paths. There's no middle way. And there are two endings. No third ending. One that leads to eternal life. One that leads to judgment. Condemnation. Look, this is a hard message to preach. And it's probably hard hearing, hearing it from me right now. But imagine yourself in a doctor's office. Say you had a terminal illness, right? A terminal illness. And, and what if the doctor says, ah, this is too hard for them to hear? I don't want them to hear it. So I'll just kind of sugarcoat it and go, you know what, you're fine. Just, you know, exercise, try to be happy in life. You know, do some things that you enjoy. Wouldn't you want to know, Right? You, there's one, there's two endings. I will either die quickly or I will not. Which one is it? And, and so in the same way, this, this is what the psalmist is saying. There are two paths. You will either, you could, that leads to life, the one that leads to death. Which is it going to be? And so the false prophets in the Old Testament and the false teachers in the New Testament were always the ones that were saying, peace, peace, it's all good. You are loved. I don't know, it's all good. <laughs> like that corrupt doctor. But if you look at the scriptures, the faithful ones, the faithful preachers of the gospel, of the law, will tell you the truth. There's a specific way in which God loves you. It's in the gospel. And that love will form you into a type of person who is walking, delighting in God, delighting in his word, meditating on it day and night, bearing fruit through every season, never falling away. And that's the one that will find eternal life. God will look for that fruit at the end. If not, judgment. And we're about to see this right here in the next verse. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. What is he saying here? The wicked, they're like chaff. So a little agricultural language right here is that chaff is that when a farmer plowed his, uh, a field for corn, for grain, what he would do at the end with that harvest, he would throw it in the air, and then the heavy kernels will fall to the ground while the chaff, you know, all the straw will fly away. 
That's what he's saying here, is that one day, when, when God comes through, man, it's, it's, it's the weighty, glorious ones of God who have, who have grounded themselves in God, they will last. They will be planted into the kingdom of God, but the, everyone else, like chapter, will be blown away. No matter how many things you, you did in this world, no matter how many, quote-unquote, good things you did, no matter how much you enjoyed life, no matter how many achievements you had, no matter what great experiences you, you, you experienced, no matter what, all of that will come to nothing. What you see here is that the wicked are living a life of illusion. The wicked think that they have something that lasts. The wicked think that they got life down. The wicked think that they have the corner on truth and happiness. And they scoff at the righteous. They scoff at the Christian. They scoff at God's law. They scoff at the Bible. But God is saying one day that's going to come to nothing, all of that. All their achievements, all the things that they've done, all, all, all the, everything will come to nothing. We'll be blown away by the wind. But the righteous will last. The one who has delighted in God, the one who has chosen God as his hope, as his security, as his treasure, he and she, they are the ones that will last. Who will pass the judgment? Two endings. There's no third one. The wicked are living under an illusion. In Psalm 73, the, the psalmist, and we're going to get to this one day, maybe next year. <laughs> In Psalm 73, the psalmist, he says he was looking at the wicked and how much they were prospering, and he was getting so jealous and envious. So jealous and envious. And then, and then he says, but, but when I went into the sanctuary of God and I saw their end, their feet are on slippery places. They're going to fall. That's when he was renewed and he had hope and he was rejoicing in the God of his salvation. That's what the psalmist is getting at here. This is their end. Okay. Look at verse 5 and 6 as we finish up. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There should bring sorrow to our heart. The way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The word knows right there is, is, is in, in the sense of he, he, he intimately cares about. He intimately knows. He intimately protects and preserves and cares for the righteous. Again, just like that tree just like that tree that, that's planted in the desert or in the wintry place, but because it's planted by the streams, which is the, the word of God and is drawing strength, drawing life, it's preserved. And here's the thing. Many of us, we look at, we think about the Christian walk and we go, what, this, what, what you're expecting from God is, is for God to just kind of protect you from storms, to protect you, to be immune from bad things happening in your life. But what we get here is that you're not protected from the storms, but you are preserved through the storms. You see? And this is why storms are all like doubly as bad. Because number one, the storms in itself, it's a difficult experience. But then number two, when we think that there are not supposed to be storms, we're, we're taken aback by that truth, that reality. And we're going, what in the world, God? But what we see here is that no, the righteous, you will go through storms. You will go through hard times. 
Whether it's because that's the way the cookie crumbles in this fallen world, or it's because of God's loving discipline on you to, to woo you back to his arms. One or the other. He doesn't protect you from the existence of storms, but he preserves you through those storms. And that the wicked will not last in the final day. So again, this right here is an invitation to us all to ask, what are we delighting in? That's going to affect us down the line. The thoughts you're even thinking about right now will affect you 10 years from who you are. And then this psalm is saying, on that last judgment day, what are you delighting in? And my invitation to you guys is, I don't want to give you a false sense of security to think that you're saved if you're not. And I want you to sincerely ask yourself, what is your delight? Are you meditating on the goodness of God day and night? Or is it the ways of this world and it's leading you to a deadening spiritual life that will result in condemnation one day? And I want to implore you all to turn to Jesus who on the tree of the cross was nailed, that he was taken from the paradise of heaven, was taken to that Golgotha hill, and he himself withered on that cross, on the wooden beams, so that you and I could be transplanted from the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom forever, into the new Eden, where we will flourish in the presence of God and be with him always delighting in him, worshiping him, always and forever. Delight in this Jesus, the one who withered away on that tree so that we can flourish now and forever. Receive him. Take the narrow path that leads to eternal life. Forsake the pleasures of this world, the desires of your heart that says, that looks pleasing. I want to believe, I want to behave, I want to belong in the world. And go, I'm not going to belong in the world. The Bible says I'm an alien. I'm a sojourner in this world. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And my delight is in my God who died for me on that tree. And I will bear fruit and let the world know about him, even if it means my death in this world. But I will rise again to eternal life because God is not mocked. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in light of this very first psalm in the Psalter that sets the stage for how we're, how we're supposed to, 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 to view how you are working, how you view us, and to lay out the two paths before us. Which one will we take? And you invite us through the psalms to delight in you amidst a world that is against you amidst the world that is against your people. To come before you with all our thoughts, with all of our emotions, and to set our feet on solid ground in you. And to let the fear, the anger, the bitterness, the jealousy, the envy, the discontentment, the depression, the despair to, to, to fade away in light of your glory. 
revealed ultimately at the cross where Jesus, our Savior, wooed us back to you with his open arms. That despite our sin, that everything, all of our wickedness can be washed away if we would choose to forsake the desires of this world and to set our desires on you. To love you, our master, and to hate any other master. And so God, today, this is, this is what we commit to today. On this narrow path that leads to eternal life. The Jesus who says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me every day. Oh God, this is what we're committing to. And so we pray that this series will be one where we can do exactly that. To come before you and, and to have an authentic faith. We're sick of faking it, God. We want an authentic faith. With you, the real Jesus. For this we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.